This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What's up? Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Jeff. Hello. Well, let's roll right into this. We uh, we had a, yet another exciting week in Spurs fandom. And this is, uh, this is one where all of a sudden we come out of this weekend and we're sitting in the driver's seat for fourth place. Uh, I think it was pretty exciting all around. But, but let's... Uh, Let's talk about that more, the weekend that was, before we get into the match itself. Um, so we had a couple games that results that went our way before this match, and then uh, at least one that went our way after. Uh, how were you guys feeling as this was all un- unfolding this weekend? Uh, Tommy? Yeah, so Sam actually posted a uh, a meme, I guess. Like, So, you know, Everton lost to beat Man United. Brighton beat Arsenal, and we smashed Aston Villa, of course. Um, I was telling Lucas, and I think I told Joe um, on the podcast, I'm like, I can't remember the last time things fell in our way like this in, in, uh, in a single weekend, and we actually took advantage of this. So the fact that we actually won and kind of reversed some points. It, it was actually quite refreshing. I I assumed we would have beat Astonville, even though it was away, but I think, I mean, I like to think things are turnaround, whether it be mentality or, you know, I, I think it was kind of a perfect storm as well, whether it be mentality or the way the team played in general, they're just finally comfortable with each other. Like, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but like, you know, Kane had two header assists. It's like he knew where Dayon and Son were at, so it's I'm I'm ready for more. Let's just say Conte brought that up at his uh, post game that it was important. You know, he said that if you you know if you're a, a medium club, it's good enough for you. If the teams around you lose, and you know that even if you lose, you keep fourth place. But if you're a a big serious club with with designs, you know that that's the time to you know put your throat on you know, put your foot on their throat um so yeah he, he's really turning our mentality around which is great to see we took advantage of the situation Lucas yeah I mean when you asked like how were we feeling about it I, I think I was going into the game I, I felt pretty confident that we were we would be able to get something out of the game and probably make the three points but going to play Villa is always a tough place to go and I think I felt a lot more nervous once those early results in the morning happened because of what Tommy had mentioned, how many times in the past we had seen stuff where that happens, where everything, everything lines up in our favor and we just can't get across the line and we find a way to concede late or we come out and we just lay an egg. And there was, I think it was the, the Wolves game earlier this year where we had a couple of results go our way that weekend and we came out and just, got battered at home 2-0. So it, it was 
I think because of the way we've handled things in the past, that was probably why I was more nervous going into that game. But it was so great to see. I think it, it feels like it's a definite turning point um, where under Conti that now he's got these guys with that certain mentality where instead of just saying, oh, okay, well, yeah, we got we got a bit of a free hit here. Instead of that, they were thinking, let's go get this done and see it out and get the three points. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Um, well, let's talk about this match and how we how we went about that. And um, I think we went into this Aston Villa match, and, and it, it felt like we we got that early goal, which was is so key. And Lucas, you talk about that all, all the time, how important it is to score first. Um, and we and we did do that part, uh, but then it really seemed like they were battering us and. Uh, and they were playing us hard, and and I think it, that this might be a good place to go to a question that we have on that, that which comes from our own the podcast's own Rick. Uh, so Rick Rick asks us a question that I think is very pertinent to this point in the conversation. So go ahead, Tommy. Uh, yeah, Rick asks, why has the media who endlessly who chat endless, endlessly about any little thing, um, as an example, Ronaldo and the kid's phone? Um, not mention the outrageous tactics of their love child, Gerard, and his villa thugs. Um, they li- deliberately tried to hurt our players. And in this case, they succeeded with Matt Doherty. Yeah, they, I mean, they, it is a fair point. I mean, I, I think a lot of us were feeling with those tactics, like if the ref had gotten a hold of this match earlier and and maybe given a couple early cards when they, when they first started uh, – coming after us with the hard tackles and the kind of some dangerous plays. Um, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to the situation where Doherty got hurt. Um, but that didn't even stop them even after Doherty got hurt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, as far as the media, I mean, they're going to cover what they cover. Uh, we can only say so much about that. Tommy. Yeah. That was kind of the other thing. Um, right or an hour ago, of recording, I was actually watching match of the day. Like they didn't even they didn't even note that like Matt Doherty even left because of that harsh tackle, or even any of the other t- tackles or like the kerfuffle that happened. And after one of those fouls, some like, I mean, Rick knows the answer. It's because the media is against us, you know. So, but I mean, the real answer is I don't. We're st- we're not we're not heavy hitters. I mean, we might be next season, but I mean, realistically, I mean, if we get more eyes on us and if we're a contender, things will be they will this will come out more. I, th- I would say, but I mean, I'm 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 just counting my blessings. I mean, yeah, Matt Doherty got hurt. That sucks. Um, but I mean, we got we got the win. We slaughtered Aston Villa. We're in fourth place right now three points ahead of Arsenal and they even though they have a game in hand but that's besides the point so any way you slice it the good outweighs the bad by far yeah no um I think one of the things like I I don't don't blame Villa as much I mean if if that's your strategy and you're getting away with it why would you not you know why why would you not why would you stop even though you hurt Doherty or whatever it's it's 100% of the ref for letting that get that out of hand I mean he could have easily reined that in within the first 10 minutes of that game, kind of setting the example that you're not going to be able to get away with that. And then if Villa wanted to keep pushing it that way, they're playing with their, I mean, they're playing with fire in their own sense. So I think that 
the ref really should have honed that in and not let that get as out of hand as it did. And it sucks that, I mean, yeah, we're able to walk away with the points, but it's really, it's bullshit that somebody like Doherty's out for three months now because he's done for the year because, I mean, we, we just weren't, the ref just let that get is out of hand. And then I think the first yellow he actually gave was to uh, Hoybear for some, like what was basically a nothing foul anyway. It's, I mean, there was, he'd let, he'd let Villa get away with murder and then turns around and slaps Hoybear with the yellow. Uh, I mean, I think it was, it was wild. Um, the one thing that I was really excited though with was in a game like that, uh, we know we talked about it a few weeks ago where uh, Romero had that kind of, he had that like little four game window where he had to try and avoid getting two yellows and it ends with Brighton and on Saturday, if he can not get two yellows against Brighton, he gets a, if he had gotten two yellows over this past four game span, he would have been out with a two game ban. So I think yesterday was one of those games where I could have easily imagined Romero getting sucked into the fray there and picking up a yellow himself. So I was, was happy to see that. Yeah. It sucks that we had to lose Doherty due to this, like, thug violence but um i was glad to see our players didn't really get sucked into it at all and we were able to kind of stay the course and stick to our game plan yeah and to be fair it it wasn't their only tactic clearly they they wanted to come after us and play uh the hard tackles and 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 be aggressive and they were coming out in the first half with a a level of energy that they were never going to be able to keep up but they were they also picked a different uh shape like they overloaded the the midfield uh, they played kind of like a what is it the kind of like the inverted pyramid type formation there and it did kind of uh, give us a lot of trouble in that first half um so they it wasn't the only strategy um but it was clearly a big part of their strategy and it was it was very thuggish <laughs> to be completely uh, honest uh jeff yeah, I was just going to say, you know, obviously the officiating was shockingly poor. Uh, we wound up with three yellows to their two. And, you know, anybody who watched the match saw that does not a good reflection of what was happening out there. I was reading an article today where a number of the English leagues want to take responsibility for officiating development away from the FA. They only spend something like a million pounds a year on referee development, considering all the money that they bring in. Um, and they're hiring like 14 year olds and stuff to do some of the minor leagues. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, anytime you have a multi-billion dollar enterprise and you pay no attention to the officiating aspect of it, you're asking for, you know, problems like this. We used to see it in the NFL all the time and that's slowly getting better. Jeff, just curious in that article, what did they, what would they propose? Like, I mean, yeah, outsource the training, but I mean, yeah, they didn't. They're, they're, they didn't they're have a terrible a, job if they, if they only get a million dollars a year. Yeah, they didn't, in, you know, entirely go into details on it. I know the Premier League is talking about for next year to embed uh, referees in um, training camps. So, for example, some Premier League referee would would ref all of the you know Tottenham training camp stuff, um, you know, and get get work that way um you know same thing at united and everywhere else um so th- the leagues are actively looking for ways to make it better but i don't know how long it's going to take before like there's an acceptable level that that's a the thing they're probably 
it's kind of like corporate America. They're probably thinking more profit above the quality of the game. They'd rather let everybody else get rich and everybody come here, but referee, like, if it's at at least a sat- relatively satisfactory level, they'll probably let it slide. So if, if anything changes, I wouldn't be surprised if it took years. Yeah, unfortunately so. But but we should go on to happier topics here. Um, um, and we will get to Doherty in a little bit, but I I first want to start talking about some of these goals and and shout out to Suge. He did give us a question in, uh, that that applies to like how how well Sonny played and Kulishevsky played. Um, but let's let's go into the, how we won this game. So let's talk about the goals and um, uh, how about the first goal to to, to kind of break the ice, so Lucas. Yeah, I think. Um... I think if we're going to start talking about the goals, the first thing you got to talk about is Kane. Um, I think that even though he got, I think he was given two of those, he had two assists yesterday. I think like even that first goal, we had four goals. He wasn't able to get on the score sheet, but I mean, he had, he had a hand in all or in the first three. And I think that there's just when Kane and son are firing the way they're firing, when they're, when they're in the zone like that, you get Kane just taking shots from outside the box. And when you have that type of aggressiveness offensively like that, balls are going to wind up landing on the foot of sun, or you're going to get those kind of deflections that fall to your feet. And it's it just, when, when these guys are in the zone like that, it's just more balls are going to land at your feet like that. And it was so cool to see sun just slot that away first crack and just get us off and running when like I talk about it all the time, the importance of that early first goal. And even though Villa were able to get stuck in and they actually took it to us for the next 45 minutes. And that was one hell of a long first half for us as fans. I think that it was great to see us pounce on that opportunity early because it throws a wrench in their plans. And that's where we were able to then just kind of sit back, take their like able to kind of soak in and take their pressure for the next 45 minutes and then come back and reevaluate in the second half. So that first goal from Son, I think, was just a brilliant combo from Kane's aggressiveness and taking chances and Son being in the right place. It really changed everything about the game. We, we, Even though they were kind of battering us for a while, it put us in a position that we were were in the driver's seat regardless. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I was going to say, the improvement in our passing and creativity in the box is, like, amazing now compared to where we were even, like, a month ago. Yeah, when you think back to the Burnley game that we lost, and we were all talking about how, you know, Spurs couldn't pick a lock for any team that sits back and defends. Um, You know, and now we move it around almost at will. Um, And, you know, a special shout-out to Decky again in this game. um, You know, in addition to that, goal that he scored from that from the tight angle on the left um that pullback to sun in front of the net was gorgeous too so he's been a big reason why i think we're so much better around the net but even the the wingbacks seem to know now what they're supposed to do even uh even royale um you know where they're passing back and forth to each other and getting it into the box no definitely uh tommy yeah, I I mean, with that first goal, it's just, I think we got a little lucky. I mean, but, I mean, as the saying goes, better be lucky than good. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing, though, is I think we're all very thin. Or Lucas was not out of the four of us, not the only one not at the bar. So, 
like, I think we're all kind of like, okay, we got this goal. This is great. Let's step around the throw. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, and thankfully, we got it because my biggest issue was at times it was like, what's, are they put on, or for this possession, it was 60 40 Aston Villa. And they were just barraging us. And I think it was Jeff, you actually told me that Hugo got seven shots, or he had to face seven shots on goal. And I'm like, and they were all great saves. Um, so he was the like, if not, it could have been easily three one at the first at at at, yeah, at the end of the first half. So uh, if it wasn't for Hugo, I think we should thank our lucky stars that a Hugo when he did have like I think it was at least two of the saves that he had, they were rebound. They could have been rebounded easily. They weren't like actual saves where he corralled the ball. And we should also be very fortunate that Aston Villa didn't have the actual finishing quality of that first half because if it was like Man City, Liverpool, et cetera, I would, it's safe to assume they would have gotten at least one or two goals in, but thankfully they didn't. Lucas? Yeah, definitely big shout-out to Hugo. Um, Tom, you mentioned there the seven saves. That was actually, I heard the stat, was the most uh, first-half saves by a Spurs goalkeeper ever in the Premier League era. So, I mean, that was a big performance by him. And those were all – those weren't little, like, dink shots that fell right to him or something. Those There were a lot of really good shots there. And Villa had some real opportunities. I think the thing that I was most surprised by was Danny Ings not being able to finish because he's one of those guys that every time we play him, he just seems – especially when he was with Southampton, it just seemed like every time we'd play them, he was going to pop up and have at least one goal against us. He's one of those guys that's always been a thorn in our side. So for him to have an off day was really helpful for us. Um, and yeah, in terms of when Tommy had kind of mentioned the better to be lucky than good thing, it's to me, it's not even as much luck because yeah, it, it's, it's, it's breaks that kind of go your way and you could use the term luck, but I think you create a lot of your own luck in the way that we played and have been playing lately because when you mentioned it, it is incredible to think that this was a team that under Nuno, we had a couple different games where we had zero shots on target. Like how does a team that we're seeing right now, who's just scoring for fun, like, so something clearly is different, but when you have, it's to me, it's kind of like with man city, when you look at man city and you say, wow, they have, they got like 11 penalties. I think they've been awarded in the last couple months or like the past months or whatever it is. And you look, it's it's not them getting lucky and getting lucky calls. It's they're spending all of their time in the opponent's box. When you spend all day in the other person's box, there's you're much more likely to get penalty calls. And so when you're when you have Kane and Son firing in all cylinders and they're being aggressive like that right from the off start of the game, you're gonna have a lot of those opportunities that fall to you. And we were able to take them, and Villa wasn't. So I think there was a big, big shout out to our quality from guys like Kane and Son to be able to even though we didn't have the majority of the opportunities in that first half to jump on the one that we had early that we created, it just speaks volumes because Villa didn't have that same quality. And they have some guys that you can, you would think would usually be up for it. But um, I think we were, we were fortunate to have Hugo on top of his game yesterday and had a little bit of fortunate uh, or good fortune in the sense that guys weren't able to finish on the Villa end. Yeah. Uh, well, and how about that that Kulishevsky goal? So that was the the 50th minute. We come back after half, um, it, after being battered a bit it, it, after our goal. Um, 
and Hugo kind of keeping us in the match. Then uh, only takes five minutes to put ourselves on the board again, and that kind of changed everything for this match, didn't it? Um, Lucas? No, I think what you said there actually is just the reason I wanted to jump in. When you said it changed everything, to me, that's where the game ended right there. Uh, if you looked at how Villa, like the, just discouragement from the Villa players, and how could you not be? If you had spent the last 45 minutes getting stuck in, trying to execute your game plan, being aggressive on Spurs, getting all these opportunities, and they just, you could sense Villa was just, had they came out and they were able to play the way they played in that first half for another 45 minutes, there's no way we were walking out of there with a clean sheet. Those players were so up for it, and it was so disheartening for them just to have Kulicheski come out and just have one moment of brilliance in that first five minutes that just completely sucked the wind out of their sails. And you could see from that point on, they were just completely demoralized. So that goal to me meant that that just sealed the deal right there and said this game's over. And then it was just a, a contest in how many we wanted to score from that point on. Uh, Jeff? No, that's what's good. I mean, I totally agree. That was it. You, you saw the air go out of the balloon for Villa as soon as we scored that, and then we piled on. And I'm pretty sure we outpossessed them the rest of the match too. So, um, you yeah, know, that was that was it. Yeah, and and they just barely beat us in total possession, including that first half where we know they had most of the ball. So the second half was us with most of the ball for sure. Um, um, Tommy, any thoughts on the Kulashevsky goal? I, I'm, I'm sure Suj would love to hear from you. <laughs> um, well, I think everybody knows that I was very pleased with the goal. I mean, it was a very steep angle. Five, I forget who the defender, I think it was Matty Cash who was defending him, but he got through his five hole and went to the side. Um, I mean, let's be fit. Where, where did I have my notes? No, but I mean, like, let's be fair. Hats off to Harry Kane with, or well, I mean, it all started with Romero with that Alba pass, and it went to Kane with that header. So I mean, so we we'll see it again in about fifteen minutes. But I mean, he if Kane didn't get that, I mean, Dion's just standing there doing nothing. So I mean, yeah, who knew Dion could be so good, huh? Not me. It's it really is amazing. Not, not that I, I had no doubt about how good of a player he was, but the, he could just step right into this team and start performing right off the bat is what's, uh, what more surprised me, especially coming in in a winter window. That's what's truly impressive about him to me. Um, I think Jeff was next. I was just going to say they had stats yesterday, like since January 1st, um, in the Premier League for, for Tottenham. So Decky, three goals and six assists that we all knew. Um, Son, nine and four, and Kane, eight and seven. So, so yeah, that front line has been clicking ever since uh, the January transfer window. It, it, it truly is a marvel at this point. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I think I just, I just want to quickly ask, I, I can't remember the last player that we had in the January window coming from an outside league that was able to slot in this quickly and this efficiently. I, I, I think Tommy and I have kicked around a few names before, but I, I can't remember. It's been ages since we've had, and not just one, but we've had two. <laughs> you, you can't forget about Bentinker coming in with him and being an absolute crucial piece to our midfield. So I think just it's astounding. It was an absolute 
that you got to give Levy and Paratici credit because that it's just mind blowing how that January window has completely changed our season with these two guys being able to slot in this efficiently, this quickly. He looks like he's he's 21, and it looks like this kid's been playing in the Premier League for 10 years. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I we can't talk about this match without um, talking, uh, give, devoting a significant amount of time. We talked about Sun's first goal, but we have to talk about Hung Ming Sun here. I mean, what a fucking match. Like, uh, has he had a hat trick for us before? I'm trying to remember. In, in the league, anyway? Um, they this, said it was his, his second. His second, yeah. They, oh, okay. they put the graphic up in the game. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I can't remember what the first one is for the life of me, but um, but what a day out for him. Like, uh, it's especially after coming off of a, a cold spell, he's kind of the last couple of matches, he's kind of come out of it. Uh, but to see him go this hot and just, just have this type of performance and be able to put that many goal, goals in the net and then get his curtain call that, that I feel so good for son. Uh, Lucas. Yeah, I think, um, again, there's so much of what he does that, you see, like, the his finishing yesterday was or on Saturday was brilliant, but I think there's he was the first to say that uh, just it wasn't possible without the work for, the work done by like the guys like Kane and Kulicheski. Like, on Sun's second goal there, um, that one that Kane played him on, I think it was a beautiful ball. I think it was Romero again that it was either Dyer or Romero. Somebody played the long ball into Kane, and Kane, if you just you watch it again, you just look. As the ball's in the air on its way to Kane, he does this quick little head turn that was like a nanosecond. It was just really quick flash head turn as the ball's coming to him to just look back and find where Sun was at. And Sun knew immediately where to be. Kane did the quick look to just to see if the run was there and then just flicked it on and hit him in stride. Like that type of communication between Kane and Sun is just remarkable to watch. And and then in, when Sun's in this form that he's on, it's just, that that was never going to be anything but a goal as soon as Harry played that ball in. So I think there's just massive credit that needs to be given to those other guys. But Son, I mean, what what else can you say about him when he's firing like this? It's just it's so much fun to watch. His pace is it's he's almost impossible to defend. And I think that again you have to give a little bit of a shout out to Kulicheski on this because I mean Kane and Son were hard enough to defend before he got there. You got to try and deal with both of like both as a defense when you're trying to deal with Kane and Son. It's like if Kane's got the ball, everyone kind of can go flock to Son, and if Son's got the ball, everyone can kind of flock to Kane. Whereas when you have Kulicheski now added to the mix, you don't know. There's only so much defending you can do. So when Son's making runs like that, and Kulicheski's firing in all cylinders as well, it's just it's so much fun to watch, and I'm so excited that those three play on our team. Yeah, it's it's got to be the the best three attacking that I've seen in a very long time. I, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, we could say, like, maybe Deli Erickson and Kane when they were all kind of at their peak. But, um, but well, if, well, if I don't think that they were ego out of it. If Mourinho took his ego out of it, we could have seen Kane, Bale, and Son, but we never really got to see yeah. that one too often. Yeah, well, Des- was Desk was pretty good, I mean, when it was, oh, yeah. yeah, the four of them, too. Yeah, I mean that, that that certainly was good, but it, I guess it's just been a couple years since we've really experienced this type of uh, su- supreme attack where th- three pl- it, it can come from any three uh, of three players and they're just all firing and 
and and and not just winning winning at a time when a win will put us into such a favorable position because how often do spur have spurs lost these matches when they have the opportunity to to hold on to four or move move, move ahead of the other teams uh competing for a slot um and we just screw it up they lose we lo- lose as well so it, it was just huge and yeah the sun was fantastic that Kane had header to pass the ball. Uh, was that on the Kulishevsky one, or was that the uh, the, the second son? Um, the the little like the the, the side head that he uh, that was the son, right? And Dayon. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were both headers. Yeah, he had two. Okay, so yeah, yeah. it's just fantastic all, all around, and I love the fact that Kane has become the type of player that can be more of a facilitator <laughs> when he has to be. And can you imagine what would happen when we get a midfielder that can, uh, can do that job for him? <laughs> like, uh, like Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Yeah. Like an attacking midfielder that can, can, can feed these all three of these guys and King doesn't have to do it all the time. It's, it, it, we could be something special. We, we certainly could. Uh, Lucas. Yeah, I thought that actually was. Um, I just read that that is a. Uh, I forget where I was reading it from, but that's. It seems like that's a priority for Conti in the summer window, as he's going to be looking to try and bring somebody in that can do that, so that Kane doesn't have to drop as deep and can be pushed forward, just focusing more on being able to collect goals up top. Which again, I don't really mind either way. It's. It doesn't really seem to affect us being able to score goals. I mean. I heard the stat the other day, too. We've now scored more goals in the Premier League this year under Conte than Arsenal have scored under Arteta. And we, they got a three-month head start on him. So I think that was that speaks volumes as to the way we've been able to turn things around and get goals created from all types of places. No, definitely. Um, well, I think we probably, before we go to MVP, LVP, we should tackle... Um, we, we have a, a couple of questions that go to the Doherty injury. And I think we should tackle that before we go to MVP, LVP. Um, so uh, the first one comes from Peter and the second one from Shubes, Tommy. And we'll read them both first and then answer kind of them together. Yes. Okay. So Peter, good friend of the podcast, said, will our remaining first team wingbacks be enough to cover the absence of Doherty? Or at times, will we see some creative positional changes out of Conte? Um, the other one is... From Shubes, uh, from across the pond, we'll see you in May. Um, his question is, with Doherty injured for the rest of the season because of our nonsensical reducer, do you think this will sharp, sharpen our hunt for another right wing back, especially as fans seem to have little faith in Emerson as an attacking fullback? So, I guess, I mean, I mean Royale is probably the de facto right wing back right now just because of obligation. I mean, he has picked up the pace a little bit, so that's at least good. I I mean, Doherty has looked good um, in the past, what, handful of, or handful of games? So I think, for me, I'm, I think the another issue, though, is who's going to fill in that left back role for right now? Is it going to be Regulon or Sessegnon? I mean, Regulon's more of the traditional left back, but Sessegnon's a left wing back. So I don't know. What are you guys, what are you guys thinking, Anthony? I'm thinking on the left, it has more to do with fitness. Who's going to be uh, playing there? And 
and both of those guys have fitness issues, so it's probably week to week who's more fit. Um, I'd re- probably rather see Sessegnon if they were both fully healthy um, at any given time, uh, just because I do think he is a wing back and he started to show some really good performances before his injury. Um, so I'd, I want to see more of him. Um, but the right back is more of the, the, the question. And Emerson's had a little bit of improvement in form that we can't argue about the last couple uh, fixtures, especially uh, last week. But I, uh, I think what we're going to see is some creativity um, for substitutions. Like maybe we'll, uh, we've, we've seen Dion move over to a wing back role once uh, later in a match. And I think we could see that again with like maybe a Lucas coming on late, um, especially if we're up a couple goals um, to give rest. I, I don't know if there's, uh, if we're going to see one of our more uh, like attacking wingers um, step into the wing back role, um, like a Lucas or. But I, I just uh, I, I think we, yeah, we we're going to have to go with Emerson for the time being and uh, and maybe uh, play around a little bit with the with that position when we can maybe late in game see if somebody steps up and starts to learn work work somebody in practice to see if they're uh, talented enough for it. Um, Tommy, see that's the thing. Like whenever everybody says bring up Lucas or put Day on the back or as a right wing back or whatever, I'm like. We saw how it worked out with Sung under Pochettino. I granted Conte is more tactically astute and more willing to be flexible from what I've seen, um, even though we played more or less the same starting 11 for the past few games. But I think the biggest reason is because we have no depth. But uh, regardless of that, if we're putting players out of position instead of their strengths, like whether it be Dayon or Lucas playing right wing back or left wing back, et cetera, being able to press and actually effectively defend are two different things. So I'm like, I mean, Conte, of course, knows better than us. We're just arms for quarterbacks. I just don't think it's a great idea. I think. What about Bergvine? Do you think Bergvine could learn the job? Because um, he's the I, he's kind of the guy without a position right now, but he, he he's, I, he's improved his performance. Um, I'm hoping he'd be willing to. Just because he want, I mean, he's getting playing, or this would get afford him some playing time. And I was actually talking to one of my Dutch friends about this a week ago because he's an Ajax fan, and the rumor of him going to Ajax, he doesn't buy into it because of his wage demands. So I'm like, I it's going to be hard for him to go elsewhere as well. So like, I think, or if not, he might have to showcase himself as a wingback just to go, whether it be Ajax or some other random team. Um, but I think another option that we haven't discussed really, but we have seen it in certain matches. I think Newcastle, we saw it, like they reverted to a back four in, uh, what, 70th, 80th minute. So I'm like, depending on how the games, games go, if they got a big lead or if they need to push for another goal to get a tie or a winner, might as well do that because – it enables us for another attacker as well, because, and let's face it, we got a we got a favorable run for us, or run of games. So we got you know what Brighton, then we got I forget who else. We got Brighton. Um, I, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. Like the biggest game we have is Liverpool. Everybody else is lower than us 
in the table. So I think right. I'm not saying that Doherty is a blessing, getting injured a blessing, but Conte can afford to tinker if necessary. If you know Dayon, Lucas, Bergvine, etc., do become makeshift wingbacks, but who knows? I never thought I would miss Doherty this much. To be honest, <laughs> I think Lucas was next. Yeah, um, I think that. There is a – you definitely need to give Doherty a shout-out. Um, I'm one of his biggest critics um, have been, but I think there is a lot to be said to the fact that we're now sitting here really really bummed that he's now going to be out because I think he's made a good push. Um, I don't think he's been brilliant, I think, because he set the bar so low for himself that um, it's made himself seem like he's irreplaceable right now. But I think Royale is going to be the easy one to slot in. Royale's going to be able to take up the mantle and be the right wing back. I hope that he can rise to the challenge and not have us have to even worry about tinkering with another player to be the right wing back. Um, and the left, I think you go, I, I, I think Conti's actually, if both are fit, I think we've seen, he's actually kind of preferred Sessegnon, but um, I mean, Sessegnon, even in his peak health is always one play away from getting re-injured. So I think that's why he went with Regulon on Saturday. But um, I think if we had to see some kind of experimental right wing back situation, I think the one that it would be, I, I wouldn't want to see a slot in Kulicheski because I think where where he's at, I don't think you want to mess with that front top three if you can if you can avoid it. I would like to see that continue to be um, those three working on their partnership up top. But I think the one we would see maybe is Bergvine being able to try and learn the position at right wing back. Just because, yeah, Tommy made the point that it, it is different to having like having to be defend going forward as the right winger is different than having to get back and defend as the right wing back. But it, it's not as if Royale and um, Doherty are like these defensive master classes that they put on. Like though, like the, defensively, that's not the strength of their game anyway. And I think Bergvine, we've actually seen in games before where he's been, whether it be Liverpool the way he was. Uh, Man City on the first day of the year where City had all of the ball, Bergman got stuck in and did a great job defending the whole game. So I think that, I mean, if, if anyone has it in their locker to be able to try and learn the position in the next couple of weeks, it could be Bergman. Um And I think he'd be more than up for it because any chance to get on the field for him is going to be a win. He really wants to play. And I think that his work rate defensively would be really a good tool for him and the fact that he is able to get forward and find like, carry the ball forward and try and play the ball forward to guys like Kane, Son, and Kulicheski. So I, I hope we don't have to worry about that. I hope that Royale can step up into the role and make this his, like, his own, and then we can worry about trying to replace and bring guys in in the summer. But I think, yeah, if, if we have to, I think Conti is the – I'm glad that it's Conti making the decision, and I trust that he's going to be able to figure out what the right move is for us. Yeah, and just to, to be clear, like I don't think we should start Kulichevsky in that position, but I could see it like late in a match him slotting into that spot, like and bring Lucas on as a sub for uh, for somebody else. I could see like a like a tactical change at that point when you're bringing on an attacking player, um, where he could stay on the pitch and he he does contribute a little bit more to the defense. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to see him away from the, that attack whatsoever. It would only be in a few tactical situations. Um, uh, Jeff, did you have anything to add here? I was just gonna say, from you know, when when both of our left backs got hurt, 
you know, Conte has showed how much he wants to stick with the back three because he refused to move Davis out there. He played Doherty there out of position. So I don't think there's going to be any position or uh, formation change uh, as a result of Doherty being out. Um, and I do think it'll be Royale most every week as long as we've got a week in between games. But it wouldn't shock me if against Leicester, um, who does play the more wide open game and you know is awfully suspect defensively? Wouldn't shock me if Decky gets right wing back for that and Bergwine goes into the front three, because Conte's been making a lot of noise about how Bergwine deserves a shot because he's been so good out there. I don't think he wants to put him at wing back, but um, Decky, even when he first came, Conte made a point that he could play right back. So. It wouldn't surprise me for that Leicester game if he tries that. Yeah, I think I could see it happening at some point, and he and I think he did test it out in one match, like one of the one of uh, Decky's first two matches um, when we still weren't playing very well at that point. But um, but I think he did play there for a short period of time. But um, any final thoughts uh, on Doherty before we uh, uh, go to MVP LVP? Okay, let's do uh, MVP, and we're going to start with uh, Lucas first. All right. Well, I think it's hard not to give your MVP to Sun, and I think a lot of people, it, when, when somebody has a hat trick, it's hard not to give him the MVP. But uh, for me, mine's actually going to be Hugo. I just think that it was Hugo's brilliance that was able to kind of keep us in the game to the point where Sun was able to get those second and third goals in the second half. Um, I think without Hugo, Tommy had mentioned it earlier, that could have been 3-1 easily at half. Um, he had a couple of just brilliant saves. Even that one that came in off the corner, I think it was from Coutinho right at the 50th or the 50th, uh, the fifth minute in the extended time. And it was just off the corner and he was able to react and keep it off the line. I think Hugo was, uh, he did almost give away a goal towards the end there, but I think Hugo was brilliant to the point that it really saved us and allowed us to stay stuck in for as long as we did until we were able to break him down. So big shout to Hugo, MVP. Yeah, and uh, I, w- I was going to shock everybody at the end by saying Hugo instead of Son, but um, uh, I'll just say my piece now, and I agree with Lucas. Like he, he, If he hadn't kept us in the, the match in that first half, there wouldn't have been a second half uh, performance like we saw from Sun. So that's why he just just a slight step above Sun there. Uh, I mean, obviously, Sun the hat trick deserve, d- deserves every bit of credit. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, I'll keep mine short and sweet. Uh, both of you guys have summed up my thoughts. So, yeah, it's Hugo. Okay. Uh, so we're all on kind of the same page. Jeff, do you have uh, somebody different? No, I have Hugo, too. I mean, the saves he made to keep us in that game were amazing. I mean, he really stepped up and played the role of captain, um, by example. Um, it really sucks that Son gets his second career hat trick and we can't even give him MVP. Uh, so maybe I'll split it, if that's allowed, and say Hugo and Son. Yeah, I think that almost should be uh, what we do. Just, just out of fairness, the son, you got to feel bad for a guy. What do I have to do to get MVP? But, and I'm sure he's listening to Four Star Spurs every week to to hear what we have to say about him. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, um, let's. Um, does does anybody have an MVP for this match? Um, an, another good performance. 
Another one that's tough to uh, predict, but with somebody just a little bit subpar, maybe an unfair LVP. The official. Uh, oh, the official, yeah. Yeah, the official's yeah, a good one. I mean, yeah, that's a big shout. I actually had one just, again, I want it's a very, very light LVP. I don't want to harshly criticize. Um, I just thought Regulon was a step off. Um, he wasn't the, and again, this is him coming back off injury, so I think that, there's, I, I don't want to break him over the coals for his performance, but I, I think that, yeah, it just, I, I just want to see him be a little bit better up, up top in the final third, making the runs and being able to connect balls in. So, I would give a slight LVP to him, but it's really hard to say because I think everyone really played well. Well, and he came for, in, and immediately coming on the pitch after Doherty went off, getting injured by them, he gets a hard tackle against him right away. Yeah. Um, and he was already not fit, so it is really harsh to to give that to him. But I could see what you're saying. Um, does anybody else have like a, kind of like a a harsh uh, LVP? Other than I, I agree with Jeff that the ref, uh, the ref needs it because he just did not uh, handle this match well. It led to an injury. And... Yeah, ref was hot garbage. I will admit, but uh, I don't disagree with Lucas. I think eventually. I mean, he started kind of slow to get the tackle, but I think over the course of the game, he did look better. So, yeah, it. Oh, you guys said it's a little harsh, but I'm, yeah, I'm giving it. Uh, I don't think anybody's deserving. Everybody put in their work. It's not like uh, like we blew out a team eight nil and like, you know, Hugo sitting on or Joe Hart sitting on the advertising board doing nothing so you know this this was uh i mean first half really sucked aside from the sun goal but i mean it was it's kind of like newcastle we had a complete first or second half and we just blew them out so kind of hard to complain about that yeah no definitely any final thoughts on the uh, the match and uh where we're at in the table now um Kind of uh, in in the driver's seat for the fourth place uh, Champions League spot right now. It's kind of ours to lose at this point, given where we're at in the table. Uh, but final thoughts on that, and uh, I think Lucas was first. Uh, yeah, I think uh, last thing I'll say is I think the one of the real uh, positives that we can take from the way we've been playing lately is the way we've able uh, been able to flip the goal differential around. I think it was before the Leeds game, I think it was, our goal differential was minus one. And here we've got it flipped to now about, I think it's 19 or something it is now. And so in terms of that table position is we're going to be duking it out with Arsenal and maybe if United gets back into the fray, um, I think it's going to be a massive, massive help for us to have that goal differential the way it, it almost serves as like an extra point that you have on the table just to have that tiebreaker with goal differential. So I know we got the game in hand on Arsenal, but we get to play them too. So um, I think. In terms of the table, there's really, there's really no place. I think this is about as good as you could have hoped for at this point, seeing as to where we were a month or a couple months ago. So, really proud of the way we've been able to flip things around, and it's ours to lose now. So we're in the driver's seat. I think Tommy wants to jump in before Jeff. No, I was actually pointing to Jeff, but I'll be quick. No, it's kind of like what Lucas said. Like, and I was telling John, like, I never thought in January this could ever happen we'd be fourth place and actually look good like it's not like the end of the 2019 or 1819 season where we 
got into the Champions League in fourth place or even got to the final in spite of ourselves with the uh, suspect managing of, I know it's not really a real word, but like the, the managerial skills of Pochettino or, you know, Harry Kane being injured, et cetera. So I'm, I'm relatively confident right now. So, I mean, out of all the games we got, we got what new or Brighton, Leicester, Burnley, Liverpool, Arsenal, Norwich. So, I mean, Liverpool, I mean, in theory, we could win, but I mean, I'm not bringing up my hopes, but even if we lose and Arsenal gets even on points with us, we, how Lucas said, like, we control our own destiny because we got the goal difference right now. So, I I mean, we're sitting, we're, this is a, like, I, I didn't think we'd actually achieve fourth just like, because I knew this was going to be a year transition, but, yeah, let's, let's run the table. And I, our uh, friend of the podcast, he's a post or tweet to us ever, but Ben, he posted something on Reddit where, you know, Liverpool and Man City tied, both of them lose the rest of their game and games and we run the table. The title's ours. So, keep the, <laughs> I mean, I say, I know that's a very lofty goal, but I mean, let's, tongue keep, in, let's, tongue in let's yeah. yeah, let's keep the dream alive. But you're 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 saying it's uh it's possible, um, uh, impossible but improbable. Let's just say, Jeff, we've probably stepped all over what you have to say enough. So <laughs> let's, let's well, let you go. Through it. The one uh, big thing to remember is that Arsenal's game in hand is against Chelsea, so that doesn't bode well for them. Um, and uh, you know, considering the rest of our games are one game a week, and we know Conte is a wizard with a whole week's worth of training, um, you know that looks really good for us. Other than you know, North London Derby week is the only time we have to play twice in a week, and it'll hopefully Arsenal will be in a world of hurt by the time we play them. And their their final game of the year is against Everton, who may be you know all out battling to stay in the league. Um, hopefully that's the case, and Everton can come out and whack them on the last day too. And we're five back at Chelsea. How hilarious would it be if we, if we pulled ahead of Chelsea somehow in the middle of all this? Yeah, I mean, like I don't, I can't even imagine it right now. But uh, but I couldn't even imagine us uh, like holding on to fourth place at this point um, just just a few short weeks ago. So uh, things can change fast. So who knows? Like maybe maybe that is a, a lofty dream that we can have. Yeah. Um, oh, and, Skip, and Skip is coming back too. So I'm not trying to bring my hopes up, but at least getting some depth back. So it's it's nice. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, nice to have like a little depth in a position that um, – that we're we're kind of relaying on two guys right now for who have been doing admirably with Benton Core and Hoybier, but it'll be nice to have Skip in that mix as well to give them a bit of a breather at times. Uh, but I think this is a, probably a good place to go to the half. So the second half, we are going to preview the Brighton match, uh, but first we're going to go to our halftime segment, Luke's Locks. All right, good to be back. Let's get some free money here. I got four picks for you. First up is our beloved Tottenham Hotspur playing at White Hart Lane this weekend versus Brighton. Uh, we're going to take the over here at two and a half goals. Spurs have been bashing in goals for fun as of late. And Brighton are always capable of nicking a goal, especially on the road, um, as they just showed Arsenal at the weekend. 
So look for a few goals in an open game here and take over two and a half in Spurs at home versus Brighton. Next up, we're going to take Man United minus a ha- uh, goal and a half at home versus Norwich. Norwich had a good result at the weekend, but and they're in desperation mode. So I expect to see them out and play or come out and play very aggressively. United are also a bit desperate and in desperate need of a good performance. I've dropped the points in their last couple. So I think United are finally going to put together a good performance and get a comfortable two-goal win at home. So take minus one and a half United on that one. Uh, third, we're going to take another over bet here. And we're going to play over two and a half goals uh, in the Southampton versus Arsenal game this weekend at St. Mary's. Arsenal have uh, lost two on the bounce now. And Southampton are coming off a 6-0 drubbing from Chelsea. So I think we'll see both sides come out and play hungry for some goals in that one. So take over two and a half. Finally, we're going to play West Ham minus a half goal at home versus Burnley. Uh, Burnley have had a really brutal result at the weekend at the hands of Norwich. Um, and it looks like Burnley might be in need of a miracle now to stay up. West Ham had a tough loss this weekend as well and are in need of a good result if they want to stay in the hunt for European football next season. So I think West Ham will end up proving to be a bit too strong and will get a comfortable win at home versus Burnley. So take West Ham minus a half goal there. There are your four free locks of the week. There's your free money. Let's go get rich, kids. Thanks, as always, Lucas. And uh, I, I, I think you're probably dead on with this one. I'm, uh, I'm feeling your predictions. It's, it seems about right for what we're going to experience this week. Um, well, let's let's roll right into this uh, Brighton match. So, um, one match a week. It's kind of uh, seems to be uh, Conte's specialty, and, and he's certainly stepping up since since we've uh, been knocked out of all the other tournaments. And that one match this week is going to be uh, Brighton at home. Uh, and that's uh, Saturday, April 16th, and this is the early match. So if you're here in Chicago with us, um, the, the pub will be opening at 6 a.m., so uh, show up bright and early. Um, uh, they, they, they'll have coffee. They'll have some food eventually. Definitely come out, though. It, it'll be a good time. Uh, so anyway, they're currently sitting in 11th place in the league with 37 points. That's 8 wins, 13 draws, and 10 losses. Uh, most recently, they uh, beat Arsenal away 2-1, um, putting us kind of in the position where we're uh, um, we're kind of in the driver's seat in fourth place right now. Uh, prior to that, they drew Norwich, uh, lost us, lost to Liverpool, and lost to Newcastle. Um, last five times that we faced them, we beat them four of the five, with uh, the only loss being back in uh, January 2021. 20, uh, um we know that they don't have that much firepower, um, but they uh, they they seem to be able to nick goals against opponents, and they, they they seem to be able to have some staying power, especially when it comes to staying in the league since they came up a few years ago. Um, but how are you feeling about this Brighton match? Let's start with Lucas. First one for me is that um, this is a team that we've gotten to look at. Um, this is going to be the third time we've played them in the last couple months. Um, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm very happy that this one's at home. Um, so this is a team that we know we're comfortable playing against. Uh, we've beaten them twice in the last couple months. Um, but this is also a team that you got to make sure you're on top of your form for. Cause like I, like I just mentioned in my locks there, this is the team that had no problem coming uh, to play at the Emirates on Saturday. They came and gave a good fight, went up two nil and probably should have walked out of there with a clean sheet. So I think this is a team that, 
if we're not up for it, you can be, you can be sure that they will be. So um, I really want to see us come out, have the good crowd environment at home and uh, try and make sure we take care of this one early. I think another big thing is that, um, as we had mentioned there before, I think Jeff just said it, the Conti seems to be really, really tough to play against when he's got a full week's training ahead of a game. And so it's not as if we're having to play these guys three days after a European game or something. We'll have the whole week to train, figure out what wingback combination we want to work with. And hopefully these guys can come out and get stuck in early. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so key. That extra time is going to be huge for us. And uh, especially against these opponents that we should be able to beat when we have that that rest and, and extra training, it, it really can make a difference. Um, Jeff, do you want to tackle this next? Um, sure. I think the biggest thing for this match is to make sure Romero doesn't pick up two yellow cards during it, right? Because as soon as, soon as this game is over, he's clear for the rest of the year. The yellow card count resets. So we just got to get him through this one. And then I pity our opponents for the rest of the year because you know he's just going to be throwing himself at everybody after that. Um it's really nice to have. How long has it been since Spurs had just a complete? I know everybody says Lamella, but there's it's night and day between him and Romero. I mean, Romero is just like a wrecking ball machine when he goes off physically on people. Um, and I don't remember a, a Spurs player like him that we've ever had before who just puts that iron in the backbone of the defense. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, Brighton had their nice game last weekend and um you know they they are a danger but i think with the the week of preparation um and now brighton have to go on the road twice i don't think uh i don't think they will be able to beat us yeah i i think you're probably right about that tommy what do you got yeah i i mean the fact that they beat arsenal i it gives me a slight concern but realistically i mean we got antonio conte He's gonna he's gonna make sure that the team is focused and ready to go at twelve thirty. So UK time at least. So I'm not too like I said, I'm not too concerned about that. I the fact that we're playing against Brighton, they're gonna be attacking. So you know, Graham Potter system. So we have a uh what do you call it? We still have a lot of carryover from Pochettino where we could never really dislodge, you know, a team that parks the bus. So, of course, this is going to be to our advantage. So, um, even though with the new squad or new players coming in, like, we're developing well. So, that's at least that. I I mean, I can't – I mean, in terms of prediction, I, I still believe we're going to win. It's just my only issue is kind of similar to – Newcastle and um, who the hell did we play on Aston Villa? Jeez, I mean, knock on wood, if we blow them out of the water, we rest some players because I don't want players to be injured. And I know this sounds kind of cocky, but I'm exploring all options right now. I just and how Lucas was saying, like we're playing at home as well. We're not playing at uh, Falmer, so I mean, why not? Let's bring it on. Well, and this hasn't been a particularly aggressive team. And I think uh, no nobody learned a lesson by watching Villa and saying, like, that's the way to beat Spurs, because clearly it wasn't the way to be, beat us. Like, we, we held it together, and we uh, uh, in second half we found a way to annihilate them. So um, 
So hopefully they're not going to come in with the same game plan that we're oh, okay. Let's let's go on the aggressive uh, attack and start taking out legs, um, come after ankles or something. It's I, I, I it doesn't seem like a Brighton move to me. Um, it doesn't seem like a Potter move to me. Uh, uh, Lucas. Well, I I think the one thing I, I really don't expect I I expect Brighton to have uh, to let us have most of the ball in this one. I don't think. If you've just watched how, like how we've been able to come with a, how we've created so many goals as of late, a lot of these goals that we're creating are, they're so quick and they're so, um, they're a lot of them are coming from the counters, uh, but we're, we're able to move the ball so quick, whether it just be lump it up the field to Harry and he flicks on Son or Dan, or whether it just be a quick few one two pass and get the ball out to the wing, it's 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 happening really quick. So I don't think. It's really easy to get caught out against a team like us the way we've been playing lately. So I think if if, you, if I'm lining up my side to go play against Spurs, especially on the road, I think your best bet is to let us have most of the ball and try and break you down that way because it just seems as if it's almost a death sentence that you're assigning to yourself if you want to come out and play us in an open game. So I really expect Brighton to be smart enough to err on the side of getting broken down by having 11 men behind the ball as opposed to getting caught out and having a quick moment of brilliance from Kane or son, which is we've been able to do it against every, we can do it against man city. We can do it against whoever. So I think that I expect them to let us have most of the ball. Yeah, I I think you're probably right there. And we we've shown that that can lead to a lot of struggles for us. So it it could be more of a, the low scoring potential if that's the case. But uh, I have to hope that like our um, kind of the revelations that we've been seeing lately, uh, find a way to sneak in that early goal. And then it becomes a lot easier for you to, uh, um, to, to continue to break teams down as the match goes on. Um, um, That might be more, we might see more of a similar game to Aston Villa, but I don't think uh, um, Brighton's as tough as Aston Villa. So, um, but 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 certainly uh, Potter's going to have a, a smart plan in place for his squad. Um, any other thoughts related to this game, uh, Lucas? Um, I think a big one for us is um, the fact that this game is actually the early game. It's the first one of the weekend. Um, I think it's really important. If you remember that year that we were chasing down Leicester and we we're trying to catch him, because we were in Europe that year and they weren't. Um, we had so many games that were on Sundays and they were able to play the first game before us. And they were able to get that win early on, which then flipped all the pressure onto us. And it's really tough to do. And so we we really have an opportunity here. If we want to flip pressure back onto Arsenal and United to come out, be the first game of the week, everyone's going to be watching us and to come out, get the job done early. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there, uh, with an even bigger lead, and all the pressure then gets flipped onto them to now come out and perform. So I think it's a real opportunity we have here to have another great weekend like we did this past weekend in terms of the overall results. If we can come get our job done, it puts a lot of pressure on to the guys that are trying to be chasing us down. So I really hope we're able to get that win, get those points, sit back, and then watch the rest of them kind of flutter about and have to deal with that pressure. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good shout, and I wasn't even thinking of it in that sense. And is there a Friday game this week? Uh, no, 
Uh, so this is all weekend. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good shot there. We're the first one. Um, Jeff, any thoughts before we uh, go to predictions? Uh, no, I guess the only other thought I had was, um, Lucas, I 100% agree with you that once Sessegnon is fully healthy, I think he will be the left back, but I don't think it'll be for this game. I think he has further to come with getting fit than Reggian does. So I think Reggian is your left wing back for this game. But Sessegnon sooner than later. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Uh, well, let's go to predictions here. And we're going to start with Tommy for predictions. Uh, Ooh. Uh, you know, I don't predict this often because our backline was so suspect earlier in the season, but I'm going to say, I don't know, one five. You know what? Let's do uh three. No, I will predict. A sh- I was predicting a shout out or shoot out. Or, yeah. Shut out. Jesus. Um, so let's do shut out three. No, let's. This one I can't mean, go to sh- shoot out. Yeah. <laughs> um, no I mean, Kane hasn't scored le- recently, but he has been producing. So, I'm going to still put him in. I mean, he's got 12 goals, but, I, you know, he, you know he still wants it, of course. Um, so let's do Kane, our son, and Dayon. Okay, I like it. Uh, let's go to Jeff next. Um, I'm also going to go 3-0, um, and I think Kane's son and Reggian, because I assume Kane will set him up a bunch of times, and yeah, one of these has to go in. So I'm going to say this time Reggian gets a score. I like it. Um, Lucas, you're you're up next. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to say 3-1. Um, I think they probably just get one late um, after we've got some subs in or something they might get. Uh, get one at the end but I think like I said even though I think that they're going to probably let us have most of the ball I think we're going to be able to get one early and turn it into an open game and that's where we'll be able to just start doing our thing and punish him so 3-1 I'm going to say two for Kane and one for Son okay I'm I'm with you guys I think for the most part I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring just because we have been on such a tear right now and I do think Kane really really wants to show what he can do I'm gonna say we had we win this one four one, um, and I and I'm gonna give Kane a hat trick, and uh, I'm gonna give a goal to Kulishevsky. I just think Kane's gonna want to come out and prove himself. Son got a hat trick last week. He uh, he doesn't like to be shown up by other people, um, even though he's such a big contributor to those goals. I think. Um, it's it's his his turn and he's going to start putting the ball in the net here. Maybe one of them's a penalty or something, but uh, but he he gets his hat trick in this one. Um, and I think uh, Kulishevsky's, uh, uh good for one here. And um, you know, Sun kind of had his performance last week, so I could see him maybe being the the assist guy for a couple of these. Um, you know, getting the ball to Kane because uh, we saw how well he was at doing that last year, even on, under Jose. So um, any final thoughts on the week that was, the, the week that's coming, just where we are at in general uh, as in Spurs fandom? Uh, let's, uh, Lucas. Yeah, um, just 
I kind of touched on it earlier. I think that um, I'm just this past week, this past couple weeks, the results have been crazy. Arsenal dropped two for us in the last week. Um, but I think it's just, it's a really exciting place to be right now. Just when you're in the driver's seat, um, you never want to have to be looking at the schedule and looking at other teams and praying that other teams do you favors and hope that somebody can nick a point here and there. It's always good to be in control. So this is, I mean, this is exactly where you want to be. Um, I couldn't have asked for this a couple months ago. I had no idea this was even possible that we would be in a position like this. So um, I think that my final thoughts would just be, hopefully we can see this out and we can keep churning in these wins the way we have been. And if we have, if we do, we'll have all that money to spend in the summer and all the, all the momentum we want. So going into next season. So I really, really hope we're able to see this out and this is we're in the driver's seat and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. So let's get it done. Uh, well, I, I think in my point, my, and I just really, um, I'm, like I, we've seen it so many times where we get into this position where we're kind of in the driver's seat and then we have a, a hiccup and that hiccup can be a huge setback. Um, and I think if Conte is the real deal and I do believe that he is, um, that maybe we won't have that hiccup. We might lose the, the match that we're expected to kind of like United. I don't think any of us were really upset about losing that one. Um, like our performance was good there. Um, it just didn't fall our way. And, and you had a world-class player that had a world-class match. Um, we've got Liverpool where I think that could happen to us and uh, none of us would be that upset. But the, the rest of these upcoming fixtures, um, I just want to, uh, I'm hoping that there's no hiccup. <laughs> like that, that's what I want to see. And, and I think we will know that Conte is the real deal if there's absolutely no hiccups. Um, that what he's done with the team has turned them into the real deal. And, and and I think it's the real deal, only one match a week depth, but but that's all we need for right now. Um, and if we can get to the summer and maybe uh, – and we do have Champions League ball and we can uh, buy the players that, that, that we want moving forward, I think this could be huge for us um, next season. Um, so let's hold top four. Let's do it. Give Conte the players that he wants this uh, this summer. Uh, people will want to come here and play in a Champions League side. Come on, you Spurs. Um, but I think that about wraps up the episode. So thank you so much to uh, Jeff, Lucas, and Tommy. Um, uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today. Charlie for the music. Sam for social media. Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bard Grill. Come on out bright and early on uh, on Saturday. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever your podcasts. And check us out on both uh, Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4 Come on, you Spurs.